In November of last year, three college students were shot while visiting family in Burlington, Vermont. All three men, Hisham Awartani, Kanan Abdelhamid, and Tassin Ali Ahmed, are of Palestinian descent. And at the time of the attack, two of them were wearing the traditional Palestinian keffiyeh, a black and white scarf that's long been a marker of Palestinian identity. No hate crime charges had been filed against the suspected shooter, but for many Arab Americans, the attack was a reminder of anti-Palestinian sentiment in the U.S., and the men became symbols of Palestinian oppression and resistance closer to home. They were all hospitalized following the shooting. Kanan and Tassin made full physical recoveries and are returning to school, while Hisham received longer-term treatment for injuries that have left him paralyzed below the abdomen. A new series from WNYC's Notes from America with Kai Wright follows Hisham's journey as he recovers from his injuries and restarts classes at Brown University. Here's host Kai Wright. Hisham and his friends are unfortunately just three people on a list of Palestinians who have been attacked on U.S. soil since the war broke out. Just a few weeks ago, a Palestinian-American man was stabbed in Austin, Texas, while also wearing the traditional Palestinian scarf. And in the fall of 2023, just a week after Hamas's October 7th attack in Israel, a six-year-old named Wadia Al-Fayyum was killed near Chicago when his landlord broke into his family's home and stabbed Wadia and his mother. The attacker allegedly yelled anti-Palestinian rhetoric. Gunman remains at large following the shooting of three college students in Burlington, Vermont, all of them of Palestinian descent. The night of that shooting, Hashem and his friends were out on a walk after a long day of just hanging out. We were walking along the sidewalk and a guy comes down from the balcony and like pulls out a gun and before I know what's happening, it's like I'm on the floor. I mean, I heard the gunshots and I quite didn't quite understand it. But I didn't know that I had been hit until like... I saw blood on my phone. And even with all the blood, it took a moment for the extent of that to sink in. When do you realize that you're also fairly injured? Um, when the EMT people come, mm, like they tell me to move my legs, and I realize that I couldn't. Mm. What went through your mind when that happened? I, I didn't know what to think. I just didn't know why I couldn't. Our producer, Suzanne Gabber, has been spending time with Hisham. She was with him on his last day of inpatient therapy as he checked out of rehab and prepared to return to campus at Brown University and face a new reality as a reluctant symbol. Suzanne takes the story from here. Hey. Hello. I was just checking in to see Hisham Aratani. Sixth floor. This is Suzanne. Hi, Hi. Yeah, nice to you. For months, I had seen Hisham on TV. I'd seen how composed he and his friends were in the face of such a terrible trauma. And like a lot of us, I had created an image in my head of the person he might be. But when I walked in, I realized this was just a college kid, fascinated by history and excited to learn. The Museum of Fine Arts. Like, owns all. Yeah, they participated in an excavation, like 1908 or something. I mean, I've always lo- loved history. And archaeology, I feel like, is... Not a more objective take on history, but it's 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 just another way of looking at things. Hmm. You know, in history, you often get lost in, in the big picture of, like, you know, King X declares war and whatever, or, like, larger political systems, whereas in archaeology, it's just, it's more personal. It gives you a better idea of how people live their lives. How are you feeling? Good, okay. 
But instead of being in class, Hisham was in rehab. And for his last day, he asked to use a machine called a locomat. How long is he going to do this for? Um, probably will go like 25 minutes. He's standing upright, being held up by a machine that pushes his body to move as though he's walking all on his own. And it really looks like he's walking. Hisham even moves his torso to mimic his normal walking motions. As he walks, Hisham is facing a full-length mirror, watching himself move. It was his favorite activity in rehab, and you can see it in the way that he looks at himself, walking in place, even while trying to focus on his new life in a wheelchair. I've gotten used to life like this, or I'm trying to get used to life like this, and what happens will happen. I've been following Hisham's story for a while. From his very first statement, just days after the attack, Hisham and his mom have used their newfound platform to advocate for a focus on Palestinians in Gaza. It was a decision they came to very quickly, in part because Hisham has been able to process his own injuries at a speed that seems surprising for someone so young. It's not that necessarily like, okay, it's, I guess, one, just growing up in the West Bank and growing up under occupation, just growing up Palestinian in general, it's like, you learn fairly quickly that life is absurd and you'll get screwed over and, you know, you just have to suck it up and, like, keep moving forward. But also at the same time, I mean, like, in relation to that, it's like, it kind of feels unfair for me to, like, sit around and feel bad about myself when much worse things are happening to other people. And I honestly, yeah, like, it kind of feels like what I'm going through is, like, not that big of a deal. I can imagine, even before this happened, that this was, like, a very intense moment and an inflection point of feeling a lot of grief for other people. But I wonder, like, have you had then had space to process this and, like, feel what comes with... Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I've been trying to. But, again, like, it's still not over. Yeah, that's true. You're still pretty early. And also, like, in Gaza, it's not over. Like, I'm getting treatment, but, like, if the same thing had happened to me there... I'd be like probably be carried around on a stretcher if even. Is that a thing you've thought about a lot in this process? Yeah, like yeah, like I'm very lucky. Last day. Mm-hmm. Bye. I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. I'm excited too. I'm waiting with Hisham and his family at a rehab clinic in Boston for word that he's been discharged after two months of treatment and therapy. I'm leaving. I knew this is a moment he's wanted for a long time. And I also knew, on some level, he'd been thinking about what it meant to go back to school. Tonight, Brown University students grappling with the shooting of one of their own. Almost immediately after Hisham was shot, he'd become a symbol of Palestinian oppression and resistance for many at Brown University, where he goes to school. Brown Corporation is a scam! No others like Hisham! Brown Corporation is a scam! No others like Hisham! I don't like seeing my name plastered everywhere, but I uh, condone it in as much as using my name and my experience can elicit more of an emotional reaction people mm-hmm. and can get the point home. I mean, yeah, like it sucks to say, but like people here find it harder to empathize with people in Gaza than they would me. Why do you think that empathy is so different? Because, I mean, many different reasons. I think that Palestinians in Palestine are always, like the way that people 
excuse it is that they're always assumed to be a terrorist. And here it's just, it's, it's absurd to use the same logic that the Israeli army uses on me. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm literally in like Burlington, Vermont. Like, you can't say he was trying to stab someone. You can't say he was part of a terrorist organization. Even though like in so many of the cases, like they'd shoot people like unarmed or walking away or, you know, doing nothing. And, but just because they say, they provide the bare minimum of an, of an excuse, they get away with it. Over the last few years, Hisham has become involved with the Brown University divestment movement, the same one that has been using his name on campus in recent protests. They are calling for the school to divest from all companies linked to the Israeli military. They say the investments are supporting the Israeli occupation in the West Bank, where Hisham grew up. I think it's ridiculous that universities are invested in arms companies. But now that he's back at Brown, his activism is going to look a little different. Sounds like you kind of want a lower profile. You don't want to plan on being involved in that as much when you get back. I mean, more so like behind the scenes and such. Hisham says just the act of returning to school is part of that. Palestinians love education. There's very little mobility. I feel like people go to education to alleviate that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's our way of resisting, in a sense. You know, I'm not going to let this break my stride. I'm going to keep walking forward. That was the first installment in the latest series from Notes from America. The podcast is following Brown University student Hisham Awartani as he processes the long-term effects of being shot. For more on his journey, listen to Notes from America from WNYC wherever you get your podcasts.